Hey guys, it's Johnny, and I am so excited to launch the Cool Jobs Podcast, where we talk to the people who have the coolest jobs in the world. A uh, huge shout out to our major sponsor, Crown Jewel Recruitment, also Whale and the Wolf, the official band of the Cool Jobs Podcast, and our very first guest, Tristan Myers, aka DJ Anchor, went from basically nothing to owning one of the biggest DJ companies in Western Canada, and also international DJ. Let's get to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you later. The Cool Jobs Podcast. You're like, where's Saskatoon? Follow Cool Jobs Podcast on Instagram at Cool Jobs Podcast. You know 10 NHL players. The Cool Jobs Podcast is brought to you by Crown Jewel Recruitment. Please tell me there's video. Is there video of this? If there is, we're going to insert some right here on the podcast. Oh, we can do it this is the Cool Jobs Podcast with your host, Johnny Jasno. Here we go. Welcome to the first ever Cool Jobs Podcast. I want to thank our sponsor, Mark Curtis over at Crown Jewel Recruitment. If you're looking for a job, definitely check him out. Mark and his team have opportunities in several industries and segments, whether it's finance, sales, engineering, supply chain, executive, whatever you need, Mark is able to provide the process that identifies top talent that will get you hired. Check him out. CrownJewelRecruitment.com or search on LinkedIn. Our very first guest on the Cool Jobs Podcast, like to welcome the one and only DJ Anchor. How's it going, buddy? It's going good. So does that mean that I have the coolest job ever? Then <laughs> yeah. because I'm the I'm the first one. Yeah, you're you're number one. Yeah, on the list of coolest jobs. Yeah, that that's <laughs> awesome. I love it. Yes, for sure. Um, DJ Anchor uh, owns Armed with Harmony Music Services in Saskatoon, but you grew up in small town Saskatchewan. International DJ, like it's a crazy story. I want to go through everything that uh, made this happen. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, where'd you grow up? What uh, was that like? And did you know, did you know from a start, like DJ, that was my thing? Uh, no, I think, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I think uh, like most small town kids, um, you're only privy to the world around you. So, you, okay. you know, and, and growing up, obviously, in the, the 80s and 90s, you know, there wasn't this thing called the Internet. So it was what was in front of you. It was physically tangible. These kids growing up now with TikTok and the Internet. Right, and right. They can they can tour Dubai from their own. house. I didn't even know, like, half of these things existed. Right. So you're like, where's Saskatoon? Uh, yeah. Like to me, like, Regi- like I grew up two and a half hours southeast of Regina and Reg- going to Regina or Brandon or Winnipeg, you know, was a big deal, right? Right, um, right. It wasn't. It wasn't as global as it is now, or, or at least your reach wasn't that big. So, um, the world in front of me growing up as a kid was uh, a lot of sports because my mom and dad were both teachers uh, in the small town I grew up in. So, right. Um, I got to play a ton of sports, and uh, I think like a lot of small town uh, kids in Saskatchewan or the prairies for in general, uh, you know, had sights set on big dreams in hockey, and um, that didn't obviously pan out for me, but. Uh, you know, everything paves the way for a reason. I use a lot of uh, sports analogies. I, I do teach some classes, so I do some sports analogies in, in that. And uh, I think it, you know, competing and playing hard and, and, you know, having respect for other players and all that type of stuff. I think there's a lot of great metaphors that are taught in sports that can apply to just life in general. So Okay. Small town Saskatchewan, how many NHL players do you know? Do I know? Oh, yeah. geez. Uh, yeah, quite quite a few. Yeah, really? I would say I would say quite a few. I don't know. Like probably like I don't know how many. Quite a few. Ten, maybe. Like, you know, ten yeah. NHL players. Yeah, or that like that I've like maybe yeah. not like hey buddy, how's it going? But it's like okay. hey, I played like against that guy or with that guy or cool. or, or that kind of thing, right? So it's kind of kind of neat to see and 
Okay, so growing up, did you like dig through your parents' record collection? Is that where music started for you? How did that connection happen from sports, hockey, everything? Now we're we're into music. Yeah, and I think music is always a port a part of sport because people needed to get hyped up for you know whatever they were doing or if they were you know like the quick bursts like in you know uh, hockey and lacrosse and things like that. It's a such a quick game, but then there's also things like you know marathon running and and cross country and distance running. You needed a put on a longer, you know, mix of music to get you through a two, three, four hour kind of run. Um, yeah, music was always prevalent in in my house. Um, I don't think like my parents didn't play any instruments, but music was always important okay. to them. I feel like there was always, always kind of like a soundtrack on my mom. Uh, you know, we'd do like a, a family supper, you know, for, for Easter or Thanksgiving. And she would, you know, pull out the ABBA record and throw ABBA on the like the turntable we had at our house. So that was yes. like, a, definitely a fond memory of mine. And then uh, my dad, we would do a lot of road trips because uh, mom and dad were both teachers. So we had two months off in the summer as kids, but Bonus. our parents our parents didn't work. So we got to travel a ton and they had really big families. So we were traveling all over Saskatchewan as kids in the summer, um, camping and just visiting family. But those long road trips always had music with them. So I think that was a big part of why music was kind of important. And then I think the really like the seed, I guess, um, that probably kicked it all off was uh, growing up in a small town. We did school dances like a sock hop or things like that for our okay. SRC to fundraise for grad and things like that. And kind of in grade 10, I guess uh, people identified that I had either good taste in music or I had a, you know, big CD collection and, and things like that. And the, said, the old well, school CD binder. Yeah. Yeah. Or people burning <laughs> CDs or buying right, CDs. Right, right. Yeah. So it'd be like, well, why don't like, instead of hiring a DJ, like, why don't, like, why don't you just do it? And we can save the money from a DJ and it goes towards grad. So I kind of did that in grade 10 and 11 and grade 12. And I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. And to see people kind of smiling. So it was maybe born out of necessity more than like a direct passion or link. But then it kind of grew to like, hey, like people appreciate it and people cool. maybe pay you to do this. So I kind of then took over when I went to university. I was like, oh, I'm in the big city of Regina now. Um, maybe there's an actual company who has DJs. So I, you know, called a company that had DJs and said, you cold called them. Yeah. Straight up cold called them. Like I want to be a DJ. I I, I opened, I opened the phone book, these things, mythical things. And I just like, Hey, that company looks cool. I cold called them. And I was like, Hey, like I did a little bit of DJing in my hometown. And I, I think that I might be a good, you know, fit for this. And um, at the time I, I was kind of hanging out, I was actually underage, but, uh, uh, hanging out at some night nightclubs at 18 and just seeing what the DJs were doing. And they kind of let's like, yeah, yeah, just come in. Like, we'll show you kind of what's going on. And then it just blossomed. Did that, did that blow your that. mind? The first it, time you, you walk it, into a nightclub and you see yeah. these guys playing to whatever, a couple hundred or whatever. And yeah. you're like, what is happening here? Yeah. And I think the the biggest thing that blew my mind is that, the first place that I kind of really got to go in and see um, the DJ who was in there unbeknownst to me at the time was like, kind of like the guy in Regina at the time. And a lot of people looked up to him um, cause he was just really talented uh, for playing all kinds of genres, almost kind of like before, like the whole mashup thing was cool, I guess. Like, you know, in the yeah, mid two yeah. thousands, the whole mashup, you know, Nirvana meets ACDC meets, you know, David Guetta, whatever it is. Right. Um, he was, you know, playing everything from like the hip hop, which was cool, like, you know, the J-Lo and Ja Rules and 50 Cents of the early 2000s. But he was playing like Nine Inch Nails and Nickelback and stuff kind of woven in. And it was it was pretty cool. So 
Um, and he was doing vinyl, which I thought was awesome. I'd never seen like real vinyl and turntable. So that again, blew my mind. Right. Um, and believe it or not, it's not a thing really anymore, but he was DJing at this venue seven nights a week. So the opportunity for me to kind of go and hang out on like a Tuesday right. where it maybe wasn't very busy, I could do that. And then, and then this place was also like a restaurant that was open till four in the morning on the weekends. So he would start at like, I don't know, eight o'clock at night and go till four in the morning. So oftentimes by default, working seven days in a row and then working long hours, eventually my time came where like he was sick or he couldn't be there. Or he's like, I just need to take like a pee break or a smoke break. He's like, here, you handle it for 20 minutes or whatever it is. So it kind of was able to weasel my way in a little bit there too. And so you're, you're, you're playing that first time and you're like, uh, 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 where goes what? I don't yeah. want to lose the crowd. I guess Tuesday night, I don't think there's a huge crowd yeah. dancing, but <laughs> But still, no, but I think uh, you just you just want to do good, and you yeah, don't want to mess sure. up. And sure. they're, they're they're in that re, in that live environment. There's definitely like a precedent where like, hey, this is live, so like you can't just like, oh, I screwed up, start over again. You kind of just have to force yourself to to push forward. So so uh, that that's all happening in Regina. Um, what yeah. were you doing in Regina at the time besides learning from this guy? Yeah, so I moved to Regina to go to U of R to take okay. kinesiology to take kinesiology. So that's the reason why I moved up there. Um, and like my. F- Basically, my first crazy story, my first weekend, I guess, of being there, um, I, I met a girl who then I ended up dating a month later and then marrying. So we've been together for over 20 years. So I Whoa. met her like, with, I met my wife within seven days of moving to Regina from the small town. So um, that's pretty wild. But then that same weekend, we had kind of went to a, a dance that was on campus at U of R. And the dance, I think, ended at uh, midnight because it was like a Luther Christian dance. So it ended okay. kind of early. And they're like, well, we're like, we don't really know what to do. We're not really, she, she was from Prince Albert. So we're like, we're not really from here. Like, what do we do? And someone's like, well, let's go to this, go to this kind of bar. It's open till four and maybe you'll get in, right? We're like, oh, okay. So we went and then that's kind of where we, I kind of met this DJ and that kind of blown my mind. And then Crazy. just really evolved from there. So. so, so do you have your kinesiology degree? I don't. I'm like, I don't know. I think you're like, DJ, is it? I'm out. No, I, I got like three, three years in. And so I'm about like, okay. I think eight, eight classes short or something like that. And I did vow like when I went into radio uh, that I would eventually get that degree to hang on my wall. But I think I let that ship sail and uh, for now. But so the, the other part of the story is that um, this, this DJ that I'd met, I'll give him a big shout out. His name's Ren as he goes by the name of DJ Freaky Willis. Um, he ended up moving to Red Deer and I think he might still be there right now. Okay. Um, but he had a, we had a really, really, really good kind of like radio voice. Like he, he sounded like he was on the radio without even trying. Um, and it was cool cause he was DJing, but also had like a headset on. So he was like not only mixing music, but talking on the mic. Like it was like quite the kind of performance like even to this day the whole package yeah even to this day i really haven't seen a dj who's like kind of djing and emceeing his own thing so like i had a ton of respect for the guy and he was just so nice but you know then somebody it was like hey like you you have a pretty good voice and you can talk and hold a conversation like maybe you should think about getting into radio so again pretty much cold called the radio station so i don't know if i was just aggressive or i had a passion um so I called the 104.9, the Wolf in Regina, which is still the Wolf. It's been the same brand for a long time, which is right, cool right. to see. So rock station and uh, got in touch with, you know, somebody there. And I was like, hey, like, here's kind of my quick little story. Like, I, 
don't really even want to get paid. I just was told to kind of like get my feet wet and that's kind of what you have to do. Um, and so the morning show, this is like a whole nother wild story. The morning show ended up bringing me on. This is all on. still in Regina right now. This You're is just... all still in Regina. Okay, okay. Yeah. So this is basically like early 2001 to 2004. Okay. Gotcha. So this is like a, like a four year chunk of my life. Cause I did like the four year university kind of program, but about a year, not even a month into it, I started kind of the nightclub DJ thing. And then okay. this other company that I was doing some weddings and different events for, but then about a year yeah about a year in they're like you've been hanging around like the club and this thing while like you obviously like like doing this you should get into radio so about a year in so 2000 kind of two is really when i was like hey maybe i should pursue this in radio so the morning show at the time is chris and ballsy and ballsy is actually still on the air with chad oh cool um chris white is now in and he's still in radio he's in sales uh, as far as i know and they brought me on for a segment called Wolf Boy Wednesdays because uh, the current program director <laughs> at the time, Steve Huber, who's a, a pretty pretty big deal on the radio. He started his own broadcast company. He's in Assiniboia now okay. uh, with his country station there. And they, they did a very good job of kind of playing up the persona of the wolf. So it was kind of the wolf and Little Red Riding Hood and Little Pig and Wolf Boy and all these yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kind of out of the whole Howard Stern, uh, like, uh, radio theater, like, yep. create this story and these personalities and, and make radio interesting. So they brought me on for this segment every Wednesday called Wolf Boy Wednesday, and they would always have me do some type of crazy stunt. So I was a little bit on the air. They would sometimes give me a cell phone and I would be out doing something. So some of the stunts that they had me do to kind of create laughter or fun or, or just like a funny bit for a morning show – like I stood on the busiest street in Regina in like a bikini, like and I had to bend over and touch my toes. Oh. <laughs> um, they put me in a garbage can, like an Oscar the Grouch silver garbage can, and rolled me down the steps of Parliament in Regina. Um, they Please tell me, me there's video. Is there video of this? If there is, we're going to insert some right here on the podcast. <laughs> there is actually video. I'll get to the. I'll end with one where I know there's video. Of. Okay. Okay. Um, they put me, and at that time, so we're talking like now this is maybe 2003 through 2004, this is where Jackass is really like big, right? Like right. Steve-O yep. and like yep. it's it's big, right? Um, they put me in a shopping cart and like pushed me in a skateboarding park ramp with like helmets on and stuff. Um, there's tons of crazy stunts. The, the final one, and it was kind of a stunt, but I feel like it was kind of a reward. Um, they sent me off to Moose Jaw to go to the South Sask skydive. So they were like, we're going to kick Wolf Boy, Boy out of an airplane. So they legitimately, um, like an old, like flip phone. Do you have any old school or any, uh, previous plane skydiving no, experience? Never, okay. never, okay. Never, okay. never, never, ever, ever. So they literally have like a Motorola flip, like phone right and they duct tape this phone to my hand oh my god um because i've never been skydiving before you have you can't go by yourself you have to go tandem okay so i have a i have a jump master so it's a little tiny prop plane it holds three people the pilot me and this other guy and we have to sit like jamaican bobsled style like in this thing right like we're in a bathtub right so i'm in the i'm in the first seat and my jump master is on my back and he's basically pinned in. So there's five pinpoints. It's shoulder, shoulder, hip, hip, middle of the back. So okay. he's basically like a human strapped to my back. So we go, we get up to 10,000 feet. We dial on the cell phone, right? So how much, like, how yeah. much pre did they give you on this before you went in? 
like nothing like like there was no classes like, or nothing oh i think yeah 30 20 minutes 30 minutes maybe right okay. so like okay. you're in the plane yeah. you're in the plane so we're up we're up 10 10 000 feet and all i remember is like this little prop plane the doors open like kind of like lamborghini doors like they kind of like go up right so yeah. it opens the door up and there's this like a side piece it's almost like a a really small like crop dusting style plane right okay. yeah 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 but there is a cab but um so you get, he opens the door and he's like, okay, you put your foot out first. So I put my foot out and then he has to follow because we're tied at the hip, right? Right. So then he puts his foot out and then I put my other foot out and then he puts the other foot. So I'm literally like holding on to the top part of the wing of the plane. On the radio the whole time. On the radio. So I got one hand on the top. The other hand, I'm trying to talk to like um, the, the more, Chris and Ballsy, right, right, right. morning show host. And then he's pretty much like, okay, like it's pretty much like one, two, three, and we just basically like fall back and lean back. Uh, huge rush. I, I haven't been skydiving since, but I would totally do it again. Oh man! But what we didn't think about is, as I'm falling, guess what they can hear in the radio? That's that's all they could hear. Oh. And then when my and then when my jump master pulls the chute, then obviously you kind of fall. You know, more gracefully. So then I kind of got to go, you know, back on the air, kind of sort of speak with those guys. And and that was it. So there is video of that on the Internet somewhere. Um, We're going to put it in right uh, here. Right here. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they they did a little montage and it it was really cool. So I I don't know why I've never been skydiving since, but it was super awesome. Okay, so your time, man. So how long did you last at the station being this wolf boy before you're like, yeah. I, I need to do radio. This is fun. Yeah, but honestly, like about two years, but I okay. wasn't really stressed because it was like one day a week. So I would, you know, get to the studio at like six or six thirty in the morning. Their bit would be at like seven forty five and I'd be done by like eight or nine. So I could still go to my university classes in the morning. And right? are you still DJing this whole time, too? Yes. Yes. So I'm going to university. Wow. I'm DJing on the weekends and then I'm doing this radio bit uh, kind of all at the same time. So a couple of years pass and you're like, radio's cool. I want to do this. Yeah. And it just basically hit a point where like, honestly, like uh, I feel like I want to put on my Gary V hat right now and be like, <laughs> university was holding me back. That's, that's okay. my heart was like, this is holding me back. And for um, some people, university, that's their path. That's their thing. But it just wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that's cool. And and uh, I think my parents encouraged it because they both went to university and, and were teachers. But it got to a point where I had about a year of university left. Um, I seen the people ahead of me who were graduating. And at that time, there were really no jobs in kinesiology. And, and the jobs that were was like, you're going to be like a rec director in Edson or or like, you know, Davidson, Saskatchewan, right? right? It's like, right. I don't necessarily see myself there doing that. Um so I'll, I'll like, be you honest with I, you right now. I don't even know what kinesiology is. It's a cousin yeah. to physiotherapy, right? Yeah. Kinesiology is basically the study of motion, the t- study of sport. And there's a few different di- okay. uh, d- disciplines. So you can go into like rec and sport and men where you'd be like a rec director of a town, you know, organize the ball gotcha. tournaments, hockey gotcha. tournaments, gotcha. looking gotcha. after the grounds, that kind gotcha. of stuff. There was like a physiotherapy type of like realm where you could get into more of like um, – chiropractor and, and actual okay. physiotherapy okay. stuff there was a, a, a kind of new at the time was more of like a special needs thing so just dealing with people who have uh physical you know different needs yeah yeah uh, whether it be wheelchairs or whether it be you know spina bifida or things like that um where they just have limited mobility and you work with them on that and then i think there was one other oh uh, it was more like the finances of business so like 
maybe like a, a long shot of like a sports agent, like the money management kind of side of things. Gotcha. Right? So gotcha. there was just didn't seem to be anything. And the people that I talked to was just a harder time. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I got choices to make. And I'll, and during this, everybody's kind of in my ear, like you need to go to radio school. Like you need to go to radio school. Right. And I was like, well, what's, what's stopping me? Yeah, so exactly. I checked out a couple radio schools and ended up kind of settling on uh, Nate in Edmonton. Okay. Um, and, and the weird time is that my sister who was living in Saskatoon at the time, uh, had also kind of come to the same conclusion that she was in for kinesiology and, and she's two years older than me in uh, they saying that, well, I can't find any jobs in kinesiology or I'm not, you know, kind of doing that. Right. She then also, she also then was unbeknownst to each other. She also applied to Nate and got in for interior design. And we honestly just ended up like moving in together and it was like the weirdest timing so i moved up from regina she moved up from saskatoon we moved in together did your um, did I, your girlfriend at the time move with you like how did that all happen like did she come with you and you guys set roots in edmonton eventually or no yeah so she actually studied my kind of third year in this radio or in regina she actually moved to laval for a year because she's a french teacher so she oh, was okay. kind of gone for, remotely for a year in and out a little bit and then she graduated after the four years of, of that. So I basically moved to Edmonton and she actually then applied to Lloyd Minster and got a job teaching in Lloyd, which is the closest thing she could get to Edmonton. So she's been a champ driving kind of back and forth, um, you know, from um, uh, Lloyd Minster to, to right, Edmonton right. to kind of, you know, see me and, and keep the relationship going. So I heard nothing but good thing, great things from the Nate broadcast program. Uh, I heard it's a two year program. I know you went there. So let, yeah. Was it was it? amazing was it cool what uh yeah, what, was your, was, what was your experience like there it was super awesome yeah so it is yeah a two-year program and i think that's what was the thing that more so interested me i looked at a few other programs and some were six months or eight months or a year but the nate you know the nate brand i guess uh and the two-year program and the fact that they had a specific radio and television there um really appealed you know to me and i think just going, wow, like Regina is a pretty cool city. Wonder what Edmonton's like. You're right, young, right. right? You want to experience things. So I was like, I didn't, you know, didn't have, you know, kids or bills or houses or stuff like holding me down. So I just was like, let's, let's go and let's do this. Um, and I think the goal was always to come back to Saskatchewan because when I moved to Regina, we were like the cannot province. We were like, it yeah, was, yeah. you know, Lauren Calvert was in government. I didn't know anything about politics at the time, but it was, seems like everybody was leaving Saskatchewan for Alberta jobs. When I graduated high school, 01, uh, Warren, Saskatchewan, the number one thing is where are you moving to? Yeah. It was not like, yeah. what do you do? It's, the question wasn't, yeah. what are you going to do here? Where are you working here? I, I'm not, I'm moving. Yeah, exactly. So, number one question, yeah. I hear you. Yeah, so they say Saskatchewan's everyone's proud to be from there because we've left, you know, here. Yeah. I'm I'm super proud to be back here. Um, and it was crazy, kind of in like from maybe like the like 2000 to 2006. I feel like it really changed because when I finished uh, two years at Nate, I was actually excited and proud to be back in Saskatchewan because I think it was a great time. It was almost like I feel maybe it's just my perspective. It was really like the ground floor for a lot of people to start really right. putting roots in Saskatchewan because I think in the last 10 or so years it's really blossomed and a lot of people you look at like the Vendastas of the world who are just like right. it's still it's like Silicon Prairie like there's so much to be proud from here and so many great jobs and things like that so I think I kind of lucked out you know for that's that. uh but, let's quickly chat about going to Edmonton uh you're going to Nate were you still DJing at that time 
Yeah, yeah, I was, then, I was still DJing. And then how hard was that to break into the Edmonton DJ market? Because I can't, I like, there's probably a lot more yeah. DJs in Edmonton than there were yeah. in Regina. So, and a lot more jobs though too. So like, where do you start? Where do you look? Once again, do you cold call bars and be like, hey, do you need a DJ? <laughs> yeah, and and uh, honestly, luckily I, I'd met two really awesome people um, and they're both very unique stories um, uh, in their, in their own sense. So, um, this is like, again, early two thousands. I don't know what possessed me to have a DJ website, but I was kind of like, I felt like I was one of the few who had a website back in the day. Okay. I think I met a guy and he was like, yeah, I can, you know, build you something basic. And, and it was kind of a big deal, you know, to have one. Um, and I, I was pretty diligent of like updating, like what I was currently playing in the bars for like, you know, hip hop or rock or EDM or pop music. And I would put pictures up and things like that. Just, I don't know. At yeah. that time, unbeknownst to me, kind of creating a brand to a right. point, right? Right. Um, so I haven't, I literally, the day I moved to Edmonton, I'm like, oh, there's this cool music store here called Axe Music. And it's like, I've never seen anything like this before. And I, and someone told me to go check it out. So I go in there and I check it out. And there's like rooms full of speakers and lights and turntables. And I was like, I just felt like, People have been keeping the secret from me for years because like this is my place, small town Saskatchewan. Like there was nothing like that. And right. even in Regina, there was just like, you know, kind of your standard Long and McQuaid, right? Which right. is still cool, but it wasn't as it was more um, live music and percussion based. And believe it or not, I had well, I'd actually have long hair again now, but I had like oh, trucker that- hat. What do you turn oh, around? Yeah, it's tied. It's tied up. Here, what do you got? So, oh, oh, oh yeah, look at that. Oh, yeah, it's. It's, it's super long. So uh, it's kind of my two year, two year COVID grow right now. But <laughs> nice. I had like a, the classic Saskatchewan farm boy kind of like right. trucker mesh back hat. And I had really long kind of like mullety hair. Okay. So maybe easy to recognize from a, from a less kind of redneck Alberta. Um, this guy who happened to be working, he worked at Axe Music. I came up to the tail to buy something and he recognized me. Like no BS. He recognized me. So from like a, I, then, from a uh, bar in Regina? No, from like just Googling and checking out like charts of what DJs were playing. Oh, so he okay, was like, okay. he's like, I check out your charts often. Like I'm a DJ too. And like, I kind of like follow you a little bit. And I was like, my mind was like blown at and the let's time. Let's remember, there's no Twitter, maybe Twitter, no. but there's no Instagram. Oh, there's no Facebook. No, there's... there was no Twitter. There was no Twitter. So this guy literally. No, this is, this is 2004. Okay, 2004, so maybe maybe 2000. He's following 2000, you on your basic website, just on, just on a website. That's crazy. it. crazy. So he must have Googled like you know whatever. Um, and at the time, he was a, f- a fairly prominent DJ in Edmonton, um, but he was transitioning kind of from DJ to more of like sales rep. So he was really into like the products and selling it and and right. understanding speakers and and helping the DJ community saying like, hey, you need these turntables and these speakers and things like that. So you, we you give him a, a shout out if you want to give him a shout out. Yeah. Who's, who's yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah. His name's his name's Clayton. Uh, okay. Clayton Hubick went by DJ Clayboy. Okay. Uh, now now he's a rep for um, Ericsson Pro and Jam Industries. So he sells all kinds of stuff, you know, Chauvet DJ lighting and, cool. and all that kind of stuff. Uh, he's still a great friend to this day. Crazy. But the, the this is one of the favorite, my favorite stories ever to tell. He basically said like, you want me to take you out and show you around town? I was like, well, it's my, it's my first day here. So like, absolutely. Yeah. I would, that would be amazing. So he, uh, he picks me up and I think in one night between like, I think he picked me up at like seven thirty or eight. 
And between the hours of like eight and 2 a.m., I think we hit like 15 bars. And this is when like, this is when like Rum Jungle before Empire right. Ballroom was in yes. there. Um, oh, we went to like the Standard. We like, we went to all these like Ezzies? so many. Ezzies? Yeah. Oh, we were everywhere. Yeah. We went to Reds. Like we literally hit every, and I was like so blown away that he A, knew all these people but we just cut through all the lines and walked right into the DJ booth. So we didn't have to pay cover. Didn't have to wait for lines. There was like, obviously some free drinks flowing. First night um, Edmonton, you made it. I was like, this is the, so like, I'm trying to like hand out business cards or talk to these DJs and get their numbers. Yes. Be like, I'm new in town. If you ever need a fill in, like call me, blah, 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 whatever. Um, and pretty much within like, like a week of that, not even, like within a week or two of that, I was like DJing at some of the bars like right away. And it was crazy like, wild. Um, I'll circle back to the other really important person that kind of that I had met, but it, it had just kind of like snowballed and snowballed and snowballed. So um, ended up kind of linking up with a guy named Nestor Delano, who's still like big in like the house scene. And he kind of brought me on on his Wednesday night at like at the time, probably the biggest club at Edmonton. So that was like wild. Um, and ended up playing there lots. And then, um, I did apply for, to work for a radio station there and I'll get back to that story too. Uh, 91.7 <laughs> The Bounce, which is now Kiss FM. Yes. And I applied there and at the time it was a brand new station and it had just went on the air, but it was a hip hop station. And at the time that's what I was into. Gotcha. So I was like, oh, this is, a, this is amazing to play nothing but hip hop. So I applied and I got on and just like, you know, uh, like setting up for remotes, like, uh, right. live on locations right. and things like that. But luckily enough, on the Fridays, I was able to, um, they did a live to air from the nightclub. And then on the Saturdays, they would do like a remote during the day. And then I could DJ Saturday night. But I ended up meeting like Carmen B and DJ Quake were like the biggest DJs in Edmonton at the time. And they did live on the air and and massive. And I'm still friends with both of them to this day. Um, And they're, they're both still actively DJing and in the scene. But it was really cool to see, you know, that was the first time that I had really seen like, whoa, like this is what a DJ is and does. And I was, it was good. Like I was, I was Regina good, but I'd never really had anybody to really like blow me away. Here's a question about DJing then versus DJing now. What's that scene like in terms of taking people under your wing? Because I I can feel that's competitive because sometimes they see you right now. Don't take my job. Don't take my job. Yeah. Don't come in here. This is my club. This is what I'm doing. But then you have the other guys who are like, hey, come check this out. Come check this out. Right. So what was it like then versus today? Yeah. Oh, it's and I think it depends on the person partially, too. It depends where the DJ is in their career. I feel like a younger DJ would be like, hey, let's be friends because we're we're into the same things. A middle-aged DJ who is maybe like more like, hey, I got a really good gig and I'm getting paid well might be a bit more standoffish. Gotcha. And then also a a DJ who's maybe closer to the end of their DJ career is like, I got nothing left to prove. Come on. If you end up taking my job, whatever, like it's not a big deal and just be a, a lot more honest than that so, so so the the Harmon bees the quakes kind of took you under your their wing right like and said hey yeah. this is what the, this is what the scene's like here this is what happens yeah and i mean I, you had to respect that they were really good at what they did and they they had they had the job already so it wasn't like i was going to go into the club and be like you should hire right. me right they, they were doing great and i was really like even in my head i was like even if i did take this job i wouldn't do as good of a job as they would do right so you're like okay it's not it's not my time 
you know, we had, and they were DJing live on the air from the studio, like in studio for like the six o'clock shake and all these other kind of shows, which is a totally new thing that you could DJ on the radio. So when that light happened to me, I was like, what you can be on the radio and be a DJ. It was like, you're in radio school total game changer for me. You're DJing oh. kid in the candy store. The Cool Jobs Podcast is brought to you by Crown Jewel Recruitment. Hi there, Mark Curtis, Managing Partner, Crown Jewel Recruitment. We are very excited to partner with the Cool Jobs Podcast. A little bit about us, we specialize in mid to senior level management positions, all types of industries. We also have entry level all the way through to executive suite. If you'd like to learn more, please check out crownjewelrecruitment.com. Like Cool Jobs Podcast on Facebook at Cool Jobs Podcast. Yeah, so then like a week later, I'm, I'm starting Nate, like actual radio school, and uh, I meet three kind of really important people. So there was, there's uh, four semesters at Nate. There's first semester, second semester, third semester, then the internship. So I'm in first semester. In second semester ahead of me, I meet uh, Matt Fossey, DJ Matt Fossey. Um, we became great friends, still are to this day. Uh, his best friend at the time was Tom, DJ Twix. We're still friends to this day. And then the semester ahead of them, so third semester, is Robbie G, who was also working at The Bounce at the time, worked at Virgin for a bit, and then now is back working at Kiss FM with the Pepper and Dylan show. And he's had Virgin tattoos and Bounce tattoos in his body. Super dedicated radio guy, just an awesome, very creative mind. I have a ton of respect for that guy. So and he's you definitely- four meet. We meet, and then uh, they basically, like, as a first semester, we basically say, okay, you're brand new. You get first pick at getting your own show on NR92, which is the radio station. Okay. And so I was like, well, I, this guy that I just saw is, like, DJing on the radio. So, like, can we do that, like, in this little Nate studio? So we talked to the current program director, and they're like, yeah, we'll have to, like, wire in something for the turntables, but absolutely. So we did, we hauled our gear up the flights of stairs at <laughs> Nate every Wednesday from 8 until um, 8 until 11 o'clock at night, so with wow. three hours. So usually, like, I would spin first, then Matt would spin, then Twix would spin, and we would do the three hours. And then Robbie G, he would be more of our host, and right. he was also really good at producing. So he produced, like, little splitters and things like that and okay, interject cool. them, and then... Um, at the time we, we tried to get, we wanted to have the best view or best listen to show at on Nate. And they had some little stats internally that we would get shown. So believe it or not, when we weren't DJing, we were on Nexopia. So that was like pre, pre Facebook, pre uh, MySpace. Okay. It's called Nexopia. I didn't even know about it until I moved to Edmonton. And so I don't, I don't even think it was in Regina, but it was like a social media kind of like chat message board kind of thing. Right. Okay. And so we're messaging like all these people in Edmonton to be like, here's the link to listen to our radio station. And, and we did get it, like get some really good viewership because we were kind of hustling on the side. Um, and then obviously as time went on, you know, everybody kind of went yep, on yep. to their own kind of radio careers and, and things like that. And, and I uh, met some of the TV people, um, which I still kind of chat with to this day. And Natasha, who was on, uh, Natasha Tanischewski, was on TSN for forever yeah, yeah, and ever. Yeah, they yeah. just let her go. Um, she, she was in the TV semester, same semester as Veronica Jubinville, who did CTV Saskatoon, and then right. went on to Global or CTV uh, Edmonton as well. Um, super awesome gal. So still kind of chat with them to to a little so degree. All through Nate, you guys are doing the show mm-hmm. um, uh, at uh, Wednesday nights, at- and then you're also still DJing on the weekends at these other. Did you ever get like a residency per se yeah. in Edmonton? 
Yeah. So honestly, a lot of it, a lot of it was kind of fill in stuff, but it was so like consistently filled in, I guess. So ended up playing at places like the Armory and like the Blind Duck and like Bar Wild and like just they were, it was a ton of fill and stuff, but I felt like it was so consistent. I wanted radio to be like, that's what I was going to school for. So if I had a, a, a job to do with the radio, that would come first. And then if I could fill in there, but I was pretty lucky, like, uh, between like Nestor Delano and Quake and then I met Captain Ron he's a legend at Edmonton he's still doing big show promotions for Euler Games he brought me on to a lot of his events and stuff like that too I ended up going up to Red Deer and DJing some stuff out there cool. so it was almost like my perfect scenario of make my own schedule type of thing nice Love um, and then that was like the first year and then they had this brand new casino open up in um, and a brand new casino um, in Edmonton opened up, the River Creek Casino. And right at the exact same time, they had this brand new nightclub called Fever Nightclub opening up. And they had kind of like a contest for to be the resident DJ. Um, and there was like, not, it wasn't like a public thing. It was like you kind of had to like be asked. Okay. And I think there was only like three of us or maybe five of us who were asked. And I remember they to, were- To const- do the tryout? Yeah. They were build, physically building the club. And this, this this story is connected in so many ways. My buddy Clayton's doing the sound and lighting install in this club, um, so it's like so many such small world. And at that time, um, that was kind of like the time that I had just heard about DJ AM, and that's when like right. the whole that's when like the mashup thing was like next like mash everything was mashup 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 right. And uh, at the time, I was still kind of playing like hip hop, reggae, pop kind of stuff, right. So I did my trial and they were like, you did really good. But then after I got done, he brought me in this guy, Viet, who's like the head of Bodang now, like massive. Uh, and he's such an awesome guy. He kind of brings me into office because he was really up on like DJ culture. And to me, like I, I'm from small town, then Regina, brand new to Edmonton. I, all I know is the people I've met, right? Exactly. And he's like, check out this DJ AM guy. Here's a picture of him on the red carpet, like dating Nicole Richie and, and blah, 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 blah. And he played me a mix of his and I was like, whoa that guy's really good um ended up going to like calgary to see him play and all this kind of stuff um but i ended up not getting the residency at this fever nightclub um which they were also proposing to do a live to air so i was really chapped (sighs) at that that was that was my chance to kind of make it big Anyways, they ended up going with this DJ named DJ Shocker. Sean, he's a really good guy. He's still actively DJing Edmonton. Really great guy. Cool. Uh, ton, tons of respect for him. So, uh, you know, he he had, and obviously he's from Edmonton. He had put his time in the scene more than I had. So he was obviously the right fit for that, um, for that job. Um, so that was really cool to kind of see that develop. I ended up getting the job at the brand new river Creek casino. And that was like, that was a big deal, like multi-million dollar casino. And my signing, I thought, I thought you were, bo- were going to say multi-million dollar contract. Oh, no, I wish, but my signing bonus to, um, to, to go to this, um, to go to this, um, uh, new, new spot, yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, yeah. was a free, a free trip to Vegas. Cause the owners of this casino had big Vegas ties. And as their resident DJ, they wanted me to see what DJs in Vegas played like, so I could bring that flavor back to Edmonton. So they fly me out to Vegas for the weekend. Um, 
And uh, yeah, it, it was crazy to see like uh, Mark Levers was one of the guys that I remember and, and Jason McIntosh and Brendan Crooks were the guys that were doing that. Mark Levers ended up opening round one in Edmonton and West Edmonton Mall. It's like that kind of like. Oh, for, first really, round. First round. I think. First round. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. So he was doing that and. And uh, Jason McIntosh ended up kind of working with the hospitality group that ran like the Knoxville's out of Calgary and Edmonton and things like that. So they're still actively in the scene too. Crazy. And and so I see the, all these Vegas DJs playing again. No line, no cover, free drinks. I was like, I'm, I don't know, 24 at this point. <laughs> like this is the best thing ever, right? Um, so I go through that. I come back to the, the, to the casino. Um, it opens up. You know, the first few months are really, 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 really good. And then it kind of starts to taper off. What's it like um, DJing a casino? Because you're not, there's no, is that a, like, do they have a separate room for a club? Or yeah, you, are you it's pl- a bar. No, it's a bar club inside. Okay, so you're not playing yeah. to like the people that are on the slots. Yeah, no. some casinos do that oh, now okay, okay. just to create vibe and atmosphere. Right, and, we had, right. and we ended up doing that at Northern Lights in Prince Albert here, oh. just on the floor, just to add some vibe like pre-COVID. Oh, okay, um, okay. But this was like a uh, something called an ultra lounge. So it was more of like gotcha. a standing room only felt like a bar not really a dance floor but it would eventually get to dancing very much a vegas vibe separate room from the actual gaming floor. yes but never call it a nightclub never call it a bar ultra lounge was kind of like the vibe right it was great for like three or four or five months and then it really started to taper off um and i was coming to the end of my nate time and had to decide on my internship right do i what do i do where do i go um and there were some people who were semesters ahead of me who had taken some of those internships at the bounce at the time who were also very talented. And so there wasn't really much room to do an internship at the bounce because they could only take on so many interns. Right. And that was and that time. was your station because they're mixing live on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I was already working, like actively working for that station right, for, right. for the two years I was there. They're just like, we'd love to have you, but like we have these guys already on. So like there's just no room, right? It's like, okay, no problem. So then I applied for my internship back at the Wolf in Regina and they accepted it. So I kind of had to give up this kind of slightly glamorous life, if you want to call it that, in uh, yeah, in yeah. Edmonton and, and uh, you know, come back to humble Saskatchewan and, you know, okay, cool, right? Um, and that was, that was the most kind of challenging year or so of my life. So I'd moved from kind of the big, big city, had some good club gigs going on, some good radio stuff going on, you know, had started to establish myself in the city and then moved back to Regina where when I had left, I was DJing like between about four nights a week at the biggest clubs and the busiest nights. I moved back two years later and all my buddies had taken those spots and there's no room for me. And it was just a a purely a timing thing, right? So now I'm like DJing like, Hey guys, anytime I'm in. Uh, Yeah. I'm (laughs) DJing like little dive bars and just picking up what I can, but ultimately I need to be focusing on radio. So I did focus on radio and I was doing the evening. So I was on air doing the evening shift at the wolf for a year. Cool. Um, But part of the reason why I believe it or not kind of got into radio is that Right around the time I made the decision to get into radio, I heard a rumor from a friend that Harvard Broadcasting, which owns The Wolf, which is the station that I was working for, was eventually opening up a top 40 station in Regina. That was the rumor. In Saskatoon? No, in Regina. In Regina. In Regina. Oh. So I was like, I was like, okay, cool. That I, I can get down with that. And I seen the web, there was a, the website was up even like for a demo. Cause when they apply to the CRTC, you have to have some of these things in place. Right. Okay. okay. So they had it up. So I saw this kind of early mock-up of this website and I was like, 
that's my jam. I'm going to take everything I learned in Edmonton at this almost same station and I'm going to like apply it. Blow and, up Regina. And, and, and it's going to be awesome and I'm going to love it, right? So I was like, okay, then maybe this isn't the worst thing in the world moving kind of back a step in right. my opinion to Regina. I'm like, I'm just going to put my head down and work for like a solid year plus and just let them know that I'm, if this ever happens, I'm very, very, very interested in, in doing that, right? So do that and then the call finally comes i remember meeting with carly who was our former boss in the harvard studios because she yep. had got hired from cbc in regina and she's like no it's actually in edmund or in uh, saskatoon i was like oh okay well i've never lived in that city and sure um because it was a big it was always a big growing up as a kid like my parents listened to 620 ckrm but that was an oldie station like right. we're talking like elvis and the beatles and I, I i remember listening to all that stuff on the radio For sure uh, as as a kid but my problem was when i got to be you know 17 18 19 there was nothing no music for me my generation who still listened to radio but there was no you know pop music that I would like on the radio. Classic right? rock uh, is an option. Oldies, country, and eighties, 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 eighties. Like, like, where's the hip hop on FM? Anybody, like, or any just pop. Like, uh, yep. at this point, at two thousands, like, give me some Baja men or some Crazy Town. I'm happy, but like, none of that was being played. It was right, always right. like a mix of eighties and nineties and whatever, whatever it was called. And I was like. I need to fix this, not knowing you have to apply to the CRTC and have like millions in the I, bank. And who, who am I to change this? Right. <laughs> so when this opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. So then I basically my next meeting was with Carly and Chris in the Harvard studios in, in Regina. And they're like, yeah, like we see what you've done. We, we have a passion, all this kind of stuff. And they, I, I, I'm, unless they were BSing me, I was basically the third person hired at the station. Crazy. So one of their, you know, not having a, maybe a ton of experience, but uh, being a key, being a key member sure. um, of all of this was, you know, was uh, a big thing for them. And then obviously they started to assemble, you know, the team and, and not knowing where everybody's background was, including yourself and, yeah, yeah. and Mark and Blake and trouble. And then eventually, you know, into the, you know, the other Mark and the riders and all that kind of stuff. I want right? to so, say when, when that station got built, um, it was wired 96.3 in Saskatoon. It was like the mighty ducks of people. Yeah, just picked from, <laughs> for sure. Picked from all these other weird stations that they came from, and it was like we all got together. I still remember that first night actually that we all met in Carly's yeah. basement, and we yeah. all, we all yeah. stood around and like, "Who are you? Who are you? What's going on?" And then I'll never forget. You're like, "I'm DJing tonight at the Pat. You guys should all come down." And I was like, "I haven't been to the Pat in years. What? Who is this guy?" And of yeah, course, and, and then the weird part is was I because I, they had hired me. They were we were supposed to be on air for Wired like eight months before the station actually right, went on air. Right. So I was up there way I was up there like six to eight months before we actually went on the air. So in that time, uh, my sister your cold call bars yeah no my sister well kind of my sister had worked for the Pat and I was like well I'm in Saskatoon now like hook me up with somebody like I need I need money because I I'm moving up here and and Harvard was still paying me but like. Well, if we're not really doing anything, I right. need money on the weekends, right? So I pretty yeah, pretty much cold called this person that my sister said. And they're like, yeah, sounds good. We'll get you on. They had a couple of good DJs on uh, already. So shouts out to Mark Eclectic. I'm still friends with him to this day. Cool. Um, he kind of let me hang out with him and shadow him. And then he kind of moved on to the Hose Hydrant in Saskatoon. So I kind of maybe got grandfathered into that a little bit. Um, ended up taking over there. And then uh, I had been 
you know, say, telling everybody, hey, I got hired for this new radio station, but I can't tell you what it's called or what format it is or when it's launching or anything. And they're like, okay, well, we'll take a chance on you. And then everyone else started coming up and, and we had met and then, you know, started hanging out and going to the pat and then develop, you know, friendships until finally we get on the air. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So how many places did you DJ at in Saskatoon then? At the time? Yeah, you're at the Pats. Uh, yeah, I was mainly Sutherland? just at... Yeah, like, well, when I moved there, I was just at the Pat Saturdays okay. and Sundays, and they gotcha. did Sunday long weekend, so that was kind of good enough for me. I did some odd Fridays at, like, a Bailey's or an Alley Cats or a Sutherland or something okay. like that to fill in, um, but I did about, yeah, eight, like, eight years there, a small little stint at Overdrive before it turned to Outlaws, and then, like, eight years at the Sutherland so, as well. So I was pretty much Pat Sutherland were, like, my two... Right. May like long term long kind of, of I guess long story short wired is not doing so well down the road people have <laughs> moved away morning shows yeah. etc other talent um pds everything uh they decided yeah. they decide to flip the format they come in that yeah. must have been uh they come in put all, i think all you got like the whole staff basically in a room right and say you're done no no oh, so was it I, I thought i thought i thought it was like a mass thing no so from my experience that i remember probably because i like blacked out or blocked it out of my memory because oh, okay. at the time it was so traumatic are you, are you, but are you, are you okay talking about it oh no i'm good i'm good okay, yeah okay. um yeah because we'll we'll skip over all the whole name change sure, and lawsuit sure, thing we'll, sure. we'll leave that one out of it but yeah. um i basically came in one day at, at you know i came in at 10 a.m um because i was doing either middays or drive but at that time i would have been doing drive and i would do the music music director stuff from 10 till one and then right be on the air from two to six kind of thing. Um, and basically got called into the PD's office, pretty much got handed a brown envelope with my severance and was crazy. Like, you know, we're, we're flipping formats. They're like, if you want to kind of finish your day out, we're pretty much like, if you want to finish your day out, you're just, yeah, what? No, yeah. peace. I'm out. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, some people did and they were like, it was some pretty much that. Oh man. Yeah. So a few people did because then they were like, you can play whatever you want. Right. Cause radio is so formatted, right? Like, you know, top of the hours and a, and you da, da, da. And it was like all those songs that we couldn't play due to formatting reasons. It was just like, we were playing Drake and blah, 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 whatever. And like, and I was listening, you know, just out of curiosity. It was kind of cool, uh, kind of cool to look back yeah, to it yeah. now, but at the moment, worst day of my life. For sure. Look, looking back, I'm about 10 or 12 years out now. Best day, best thing that's ever happened to me by far crazy crazy yeah so, so. yeah you, you you walk you you leave um i guess that's where now this is the big shift here for you right armed with harmony yeah. uh is in the back of your mind yeah. you're you go home you tell your wife did you have kids at the time oh yeah so like like within like it's basically i, I kind of tell the story it's within about a 12 month window pretty much within this 12 month or one year window pretty much was the tail end of kind of a little, a lawsuit that I had to do for a name change, okay. which kind of spilled over into my father passing away oh. into getting married, buying a house and getting pregnant and having our first child on the way. That was all like in a 12 month window and being so, let go from wired. Yeah. Yes. Yes. At the same time. So wow. um, it was, it was a pretty kind of intense time in my life. And, and uh, so when I got let go of radio, I was like, okay, the, your natural reaction is, okay, what station am I going to next? Right. And so in Saskatoon, some, there's only a handful. Yeah. So it was like, do I stay in Saskatoon? I have initial reaction is like, I'll move wherever. Cause I'm used to radio. Let's move. Cause right. Regina, Edmonton, right. Regina, Saskatoon. You got ties. You got again. ties. You got ties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But now it's like, ooh, like I got a wife and a house and a kid. It's not just that easy just to pick up and go, right? right. 
So, you know, applied in Edmonton at Virgin, Winnipeg at Virgin, I think like Craze and Red Deer, a few other stations that I liked the format of and uh, got quite far on interview process on, on, on a lot of them. Um, and then just kind of boiled down to like the money thing just didn't really work. And what we were wanting to do with our life was like, just didn't work. And, yeah. um, at the time the DJing thing was going really good because being a personality on the air, the side hustle call for phone calls for gigs and bars and friends, weddings and things that was like off the charts. So about two or so, two or three years before my time in radio came to an end, I was like, I can't keep up with all these gigs. So I brought DJ friends of mine on with me, not thinking from a company or a business level, just thinking like, I want to help can you bar fill owners this spot? or friends out. Yeah. Can you help me out? Here's what it pays. Give me X number of dollars for as a finder's fee. I'll manage it for you to show up, play. Here's what you do. Right. And just kind of evolved and evolved. And then I had, you know, three to five DJs who I'd call right. and help fill gigs. And then the radio came to an end and I was like, I think I can kind of maybe give this a shot. So started, you know, kept the brand, which is armed with harmony. As you see here, yeah, yeah. that was the name of the, a Nate radio show. So it was called armed with harmony radio. So that was me and Matt and Tommy and Robbie. Crazy. So I basically took that name and slapped it on a, a business. I guess I chatted with the guys. I'm like, you mind if I, I was going to say, was there any DJ back company, any backlash? No, to that? no, they were, they were good with it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then just started calling a few more of my friends. It's like, Hey, I think I, I'm going to try and do this like full time. So then it just kind of evolved into like, Let's buy more speakers and this and that and then and so, get a so website and get. Give me the background on the support. You tell your wife, I'm going to go full time DJ. I'm doing this. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pay the mortgage, play music. Yeah, I think. Uh, was it an my, easy conversation? My, it wasn't an easy. It wasn't an easy conversation. Okay. I think she knew that I had a huge passion for it and and knew that if I put set my mind to something that it would hopefully be successful right. or if it wasn't it wouldn't be due to my lack of um effort right, or right. Ex ex things like that i think my wife's father at the time who was like a mechanic like a very like work with my hands kind of guy was like i don't know what this guy's doing kind of thing yeah um, and, he, and, and i think even my parents at the time were like uh like her so i guess my mom at the time um yeah was like you want to support your kids but For i think sure. she's like okay, let's like, you know, the, the classic, let's give it, you know, six months. If it doesn't work, like go get a real job kind of right. thing. And, you know, fast forward 20 years in the industry, you know, I haven't had to have a real job. It's just kind of spiraled from there. But so yeah, yeah, tell us, tell us about Armed with Harmony. So like you, you grew it. Um, how many DJs when you're obviously COVID, I know things yeah. happen and layoffs happen and everything's happening there, but like pre COVID, just let's say right before COVID, how many DJs working for you? How many gigs are you guys doing? Tell us what, yeah. a, and t tell me what a day looks like for you with all that yeah. at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. I think at our peak, like, you know, pre COVID, we were sitting like around, you know, 15 to 20 DJs was like not out of the question. Wow. And that would be for, you know, weddings, school dances, corporate Christmas parties, bars, nightclubs, pubs, that kind of thing. So it was very much built off a DJ company because that's what we, that's what I am. And that's yeah. what, what I yeah. knew. Right. Um, and then luckily we were able to get, you know, through radio, I was able to network my way to some bigger events. So some of the college events like the mock weddings and ag bag drags. And, and I think even during my time in radio, Prairie Land would hire me for their big New Year's party, which was like a big deal. They had a band and like, you know, four, 4,000 people. Wow. So I kind of was able to be a bit on, on a pedestal, I guess, if you will, for like some higher echelon gigs. But 
what really was the caveat is that those gigs eventually turned into needing bigger sound, bigger lighting, bigger video. And I was then able to buy the equipment that needed to keep those clients as my clients and to say, hey, right. it's like, yes, I'm a DJ, but oh, you need this and this. So we just ended up, you know, buying more equipment and buying more equipment and buying more equipment and buying more equipment. And then it turned into like, okay, we do DJs, but now our brides want photo booths. So now we're adding on a photo booth fleet. And then now like pre-COVID, our clients were like, oh, we can't gather events. We need something else. So we have like an outdoor inflatable movie screen division now. <laughs> and then we have like an, an audio visual like rental division. Wow. But it's what it wasn't because I wanted to. It was necessarily because like this is what my clients are asking of me. Right. And I want to I want to don't want to disappoint them. I want to fulfill their needs. And then like one day you just kind of look back. You're like, I got a lot of gear here. Wow. So, but that's kind of what it's boiled down to now. So, I mean, now we have like fleet vehicles and like, and like, you know, warehouse space right. and sea cans and, you know, event planning software, all these things that I never in my wildest dreams would be like wanting, but it's like, it's a necessity. You were to, just happy to, to show up events. to play at the club. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and, and yeah, so it's, it's, it's cool. And then, and then, I mean, now like I'm, I'm, it's, it's been about eight years as well. So, Shortly on, I started also teaching a free DJ school. Cool. Um, and that's been super rewarding. I, that's like something I look forward to. I do it twice a year, but I super look forward to that. Um, I, I love to meet new people. I love to pass on what I know. Yeah, yeah. And I also like to tell people like, don't do this. That's a waste of time or like fo- focus on this and you'll see results, you know, more often. And uh, I have a ton of, you know, respect for the for those guys who, who have went through the program and then went on to you know, pursue something, you know, pursue their dreams. And there's, you know, some DJs who were doing some pretty cool things who've taken my courses now. And, and I just admire that because there was no, there was no YouTube in my day from places to learn. Right. There was, you know, and even with YouTube now, it's great, but like to get real time interaction, like push this button, don't do that, do this, um, to give them the feedback, not from only from a DJ perspective, but a radio and a yep. company and a yep. production st- standpoint um is really cool and i think they they appreciate that 20 2019 um that's pre-covid how many events did you guys do that year roughly we yeah pre-covid we did we do about two thousand events a year come on two thousand because some you know there's also sometimes like some of the clubs we did were 365 days a year every night right there Right there, there's 365 events, right, right, right? right? And then you throw on, you know, you throw on weddings or you throw on rental. Well, rentals wouldn't be in that, but you throw on, you know, you throw on weddings, you throw on other clubs, corporate Christmas parties, right. school dances, that kind of stuff. Like it, you know, it starts to add up, you know, pretty quickly. So I, I do have a, like a full-time general manager to help me, right. oh, with, yeah. you know, with that. And and you were with me for, you know, yeah. like a period of time yeah. too, just to kind of see like Crazy. from an organizational office standpoint. And I always need good people like, you know, graphic design people and photo and video editing people and just creative spirits in general, just to really help move the needle. Right. Um, what is, oh, sorry. I, I'm guessing though, like weddings, probably the main driver of revenue at, yeah what, that would, pre-covid yeah yeah that would definitely be like the bread and butter and what we're probably known for okay. most as so a company let's so. talk let's talk weddings you don't have to give names um <laughs> something that happened at a wedding and you're like uh this should not be happening at this wedding um well i do know of a wedding that the, uh, i actually dj'd it so i kind of feel bad 
Um, but when I showed up, it was like at a place called Skull Ranch, which I didn't know. Okay. Uh, this is early. This is like really like one of like the first weddings I'd done uh, after radio. So we're talking okay. like 12 years ago. And they just said, yeah, this is on this acreage or whatever. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. Like I thought I asked all the right questions. And I show up and it's at this place called Skull Ranch. And uh, the all the groomsmen have like skulls on the back of their like shirts. And like they're all like pretty beefy dudes. Um, fast forward to later in the night, I found out like they all, like, I think three out of four of them did time. Um, like, no. like, like, yeah, time. Uh, anyways, they ended up getting it annulled, the, the wedding annulled the next day. Come on. Yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. Did they at least pay? So, they paid? They did. They paid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. For sure. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've seen, I've seen a bride full on fist fight her bridesmaid at the end of the night, but like, no. luckily almost nobody was there but they full-on like fist fighted and then uh for fist fought and then their venue was kind of just outside of town and after they fought they basically just had to wait there's no uber at the time oh they literally God. had to wait for a cab to show up to drive them in separate vehicles so it was kind of awkward as and it was taking equipment yeah, down taking equipment down you're like uh did you break it up oh there was like a few other like, there <laughs> okay. was like a couple of parents there so they were kind of like Got it, but they were like in the kitchen, like packing up the late lunch. So like the fight, like went on for like a little while before somebody got there. But I'm like, this oh, isn't my like, that's not good, my place. That's a good question. Uh, you said late lunch. Okay, best wedding supper. Because you, do you get fed when you do a wedding? Yes. Yeah. Typically. Okay. Yeah. Typically. So what's the, yeah, a best, lot of the, the best meal? A lot of the plated. A lot of the plated meals are are really good. The best meal was also equally the worst meal, and I'll tell you why. No way. We are in. I'm I'm DJing in Hafford, Saskatchewan. The, where, where the street signs are in Ukrainian and they have four different lines for different kinds of pierogies. Unbelievable. But they have like grandma Betty there and she's monitoring how many pierogies you can take. Cause there's a limit. So it was like being at Disneyland, but with handcuffs on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, best night lunch at a wedding. Uh, those have honestly, those have come a long way. Like back in the day, it was just like um, was, buns and cold cuts, yeah, yeah. pickles and cheese, pickles right? And cheese, call which, it a day. Which is which is still good, right? But it's like a like, bun witch after like eight Bud Lights, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're you're grooving yeah. to macarino, whatever, and yeah, I want a bun witch. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all good. Yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people are like uh, poutine and taco bars are like been really popular. Oh, so like okay. you kind of make your so there's like fries and gravy, but then there's like all these toppings. Or there's like a little mini taco bar and you can kind of pick all these kind of things too. So I'm glad you brought up Macarena though because it's funny because it's the wedding like music has changed so much. I felt like for a long time. I was just going to dive into wedding music. It was very much like a lot of, um, I wouldn't even say cliche, a lot of cheesy things like. Right. Uh, polkas, for, for wal- polkas, waltzes, which is cultural. So I get that, but a lot of polkas, waltzes in Saskatchewan yep. and then chicken dance, YMCA, Macarena, that kind of stuff. Yeah. We, uh, we don't see a lot of that anymore just because the so brides are getting younger. The music has uh, changed. And, and, and it's not cool. Right. So like we're getting like brides who are wanting to hear like WAP and stuff like that. And you're like, 
I don't know if Grandma Betty would love that, but like, hey, it's your wedding. Like, you know, we will we'll play it for you. And but, you know, you just ask the right questions and every client's a bit different. Every situation's a little bit different. But um, so what happens in that situation? You're DJing because I think you, I saw your list. It's a very extensive what a bride and groom have to fill out music. They want yeah. uh, songs, must play songs, do not play songs, do not play songs, all that yeah. kind of stuff. It's very extensive what you go through um, and like good on you for doing that research and homework because otherwise it could just be a total mess for the night. Right. It, it's 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 setting up our clients and myself or our team of DJs for success. Exactly. Exactly. But what happens in that situation where Grandma Betty comes up and wants the bird dance and it's yeah. on the do not playlist from the bride herself and you're like, Gra-, and you don't want to be rude to Grandma. We just got to, we got to break Grandma Betty's heart and, oh. and, and, and you know, just put politely, right? You know, say, hey, Grandma, just so you know, like we've sat down with the couple ahead of time and asked them, you know, things they would like to, you know, see on their day. And that right. could be from decor to food to whatever. And they just specifically asked us, you know, that we, that they don't want that song. We hope you can respect their wishes, but if there's something else you would like to hear, can we get on, you know, an Anne Murray or an Elvis or something for you like that? And, and usually most people will, you know, respect that. And I tell people if they come in hot, expect hot back. If you come in and be like, Hey, I'd really like the bird dance. Um, it's like, okay, well, here's kind of why we can or can't do it. And some clients will say, None of the bird dance stuff, unless it's specifically requested, and then they're then they know we're not just playing it to play it. Because to be honest, for the most part, we don't want to play that stuff either. Right? right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're moving. You're. Yeah. It's a new generation of music that's happening at weddings yeah. right now. It's a yeah. it's a total change. Um, with uh music, what is the weirdest song you've ever played at a wedding? Oh my goodness, weirdest song. Or you're uh, like, I cannot believe I'm playing this right now. Yeah, well, there has been a few times. Uh, it was actually at that Skull Ranch wedding where <laughs> the bride's dad was a bit kind of estranged from her, but he played in a band and uh, he he had come kind of back for the wedding. I don't think things maybe were good from a family perspective, but he was in a band and he really wanted me to play his CD. So at the time, luckily, my MacBook had a CD slot on it. Okay. So I was able to rip that CD real time and then put that song into Serato and actually play the song from his band. Nobody really knew it, but it was kind of like, it was just weird for me. Cause it's like, is this, am I promoting your band? Like no one's going to dance to this really. Like, right. you know, it, it was a little bit weird from, you know, from that front. But um, yeah, I think there's, there's always like that controversial song of the time. Like there for was sure. a, you know, like even we, we DJ Calgary Stampede this pa- past summer. That's obviously a bit a, a no holds barred facility, but it's still a corporate brand of Stampede. You know, there was a song called Dick Down in Dallas. It's like, uh, it's like, is that appropriate? But like, it, it's it's sung so beautifully, but it still has vulgar lyrics. In it. And I was like, is that appropriate for what scenario? Right. Yeah, so no. Oh, crazy. OK, so take us to the future now. What's uh, what's armed with harmony? Obviously, let's hopefully get out of this covid. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, that's find a cure. Find a cure. <laughs> get through that. But let's say covid's done. And uh, what's what's next? What's happening back to the full scene? Are you going to go bigger? You want to go more shows, more bigger production? Or do you want to just kind of keep where you're at right now? Yeah, I think uh, I've I've been very aspirational throughout my career. I think currently, I guess where I was pre-COVID hitting, I was in a really comfortable place. And I know sometimes comfortable, comfortability and complacency is the kiss of death. Right. Uh, but I've also learned that bigger isn't always better. Um, and there are some great companies in Saskatoon who do segments of what we do. Okay. Um, so, you know, there's companies that, you know, 
just do wedding DJs. There's companies right. who just do event production. Um, and because we do quite a bit, you know, DJs, photo booths, event production, outdoor movies, things like that, because we're already quite diverse, I'm pretty happy with where we are right now. I'm, I'm always open to new technology or ideas and suggestions. Streaming is something that we have obviously, you know, been doing a lot more of. Right. But uh, I think as, as far as expanding what we offer as a company, I think we're in a good spot where I have a really good handle of, on all the things that we do. We have a good team of people who can do specific things or a well-rounded so as far as growing or getting bigger i'm really happy with where i'm at i know i have three girls that are five seven and nine right now so you know focusing you know some time on them i know it's crazy so you're doing you're doing she's almost 10 right you're doing all this and you have three girls where's the work-life balance in your life holy cow try oh and i also play uh 40 rec hockey games a year I'm also on the community association for my Stonebridge local area. Um, yeah, and I do a few other things. I, oh, I like to fish, and, and I like to fish, fish and camp in my spare time. That was so. on my sheet. What? What's your fun time? What do you? <laughs> yeah. where, Here's the question. But where do you fit yeah. it in? Where do you fit it yeah. in? Come on. Yeah. So I, I guess, you know, I just try. Your busy time though is probably what Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's like that's the main yeah. busy time. Yeah. That's and, that's and the go-to I, time. That's the show time. Yeah. So I think what people don't understand is I do my best to kind of work in the office Monday to Friday, nine to five. I do obviously have to meet clients who maybe work a nine to five outside of those hours in the evening, right. you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday evening, because they have a day job. And that's mainly our, our wedding clients. Um, and then our, our visit, our event facilitation time is mostly heavily on Saturdays, but for sure, Friday comes kind of maybe a close second. And then Thursday, Sunday, depending on long weekends, is sometimes a right. spill off on that. So I try not to do as many events, obviously having a family and things like that, because then I'm working, you know, seven days a week. So I try to more from an office level, set my team up for success with my experience yep. by planning the events from a, an event details and logistics standpoint. Um, also from like an, a, a gear preparation list, a financial list, a payroll list, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I try and get all the pieces of the puzzle ready and then not like it's an easy job cause I, I've done it for years, but it's just up to my team to facilitate that. So hopefully execute the tools that I've given them. Yeah. So they need to execute. Um, and I, you know, if looking back at, you know, some of the early events I did as an individual DJ, if I would have known all the right questions to ask or been privy with extra information, I would have been able to do my job that much better. So right, I feel like right. me giving my team like, hey, here's this piece of information. Here's this piece of information. It's going to make, you know, it more, you know, more concise, but it's going to re- yield better results, not only for our clients, but our staff will be like, hey, that was enjoyable because special events can be, can go sideways in a hurry oh, yeah. if they're not planned properly. Oh so. my gosh. You forget one thing and it's like, where's this? And day of, and you're like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Game over, man. Yeah. You have a crazy life. You have one crazy <laughs> life. It's busy. It's busy. Did you yeah, ever think so. you you're, you would get to, when you started DJing and with the, uh, even even at Wired, when you're getting busy with a few, did you ever think it's going to grow to what, what it is today? Yeah, I don't even think I even believe it to this day. And <laughs> and and I actually had this conversation today. Um, so my wife was actually chatting with an old college friend of ours. And, oh, and, quickly, before and you she, answer that question, is she involved yeah. on a day-to-day with Armed with Harmony or how does that work? Yeah. Great, great question. So she was, a, uh, she is and was a French teacher. She taught for 10 years, Okay, um, took about seven years off to raise kids, went back for a year during COVID because it was a really like 2020 was a really um, like, or yeah, 2020 
was a really kind of like uncertain year. Uh, so she kind of went back teaching just because we weren't sure what was fully going to get locked down. Right. And then she she chose not to go back this school year. Um, so she's always kind of actively been a part of the company. There's a lot of like the books and finances and stuff. Um, but it's tough because people say, oh, are you actively involved in the company? I think just picking up after me, like just keeping my head on and, and keeping me fed and watered and just yeah, being yeah. supportive, I think is, is, is a ton that I can ask. Cause if I can't be there for kids activities, it all falls on her. Right. So, right. You no, know, I do. I do my best. So, you know, is she super duper active in the company? Not as like a full time, um, but there's, she's got more than enough duties. She to, sees like, the receipts when, when the new speakers come in, when the new, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I, and I kind of, I told her, I'm like, now you're, you're like the director of fun. So like, I'm too busy doing the work. So if we want to plan a family vacation or things right. like that, I'm like, you know, I'm working hard. I'm, I'm quote unquote making the money. I want her to plan that. And, and you know how it is booking flights and the hotels oh, yeah. and, and, and organizing kids activities on the weekend and filling out things and, and parent teacher interviews, like that stuff never ends. So like between helping me out when I need help or hit, hit a panic button, she's always there for me, which is super, super awesome. But, um, we were like, we see each other every day. We work like together all the time. So we spend a ton of time together, uh, which is great. Um, cause not a lot of couples can say that. And we haven't like you know, ripped each other's heads off. We're pretty, it's, it's been good. It's been good. So, um, I guess what I was going to ask, um, pre COVID, when was the last time you had a weekend off? Yeah, that was crazy. Like, you guys uh, must've like in the DJ world, your Friday, Saturday, yeah. Saturday, especially, right? Like that's a whole yeah. day set up. I don't think I had a Saturday off in almost 20 years. Like, that's like, crazy. Hey, crazy. So I actually had my first new year's off in 20 years was last new year. Um, cause there was like, right. it was going, fully going into down. 2021. Yeah. Going into 2021. Yep. Yeah. And then I was supposed to DJ this new year's for the rush, um, for the SAS rash lacrosse team. Oh, yeah. That's one and thing you never mentioned. You're also, we didn't even talk about that. We didn't even talk about that, but okay, um, to, we, to DJ. I'm going to have you back on episode, <laughs> episode two with DJ anchor because, uh, man, yeah. what a crazy, crazy life you have. So it's supposed to DJ there and then, uh, and it just, it got canceled due to COVID. The NLL okay. pulled that. So right. that was that, but yeah, I mean, I think the summary, even like the rush has been an amazing opportunity. I think the cool part about this is, um, in this industry in general, and I just kind of call it creative people working with sound lighting or video and doing special events. That's, yeah. that's the, that's the common bond between everybody in this industry. Um, I've been fortunate enough to do it for 20 years, but I've never had one job. I've always had different jobs and yes, it's, I work for my own, for myself and for my own company, but every event is almost like a new job. So I never do the same thing over and over again, which I like, right. I couldn't do like, I couldn't do a nine to five. I'm just not, I'm not built that way. Um, and, and I hate the word with a passion entrepreneur. I, I just, I despise that word. I don't know why. Um, I'm more, I more relate to either local business owner because yep. that's what I feel like I am totally or owner owner operator yeah that's that's like the truth I'm not some revolutionary Instagram CEO or boss or whatever it's like I call my my people who work with me and like not for they don't work for me they, they're not like yeah, my yeah. employees they're a team I, I view it that way um, and I'm trying to basically have my staff say listen 
If you can do sound, I can offer you this many hours a week. If you can do sound, lighting, video, now you can slide into these jobs because 20 years later, I'm doing a, you know, a podcast or a vlog you know, with, with you. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing the rush. I'm doing a wedding. I'm doing office admin. I'm doing construct. You know, it's, it's all related, but it's a million different jobs. And, and that's what I love about it because no day is like, I, I don't dread any day doing what I do. Man. So. Awesome. I, I think we're going to wrap it there because that was a great way yeah. to finish it. Man, <laughs> Tristan Myers, DJ Anchor, you have one cool job. And thank you so much for being on the first episode of Cool Job Podcast. Really appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thanks for having me, man. Okay, Cool Jobs Podcast brought to you by Mark Curtis and the crew over at Crown Jewel Recruitment with over 200 people hired. Mark Curtis at Crown Jewel Recruitment will find the right people for you. You can contact him at 780-984-8800 or email mark at crownjewelrecruitment.com. Tristan, we'll see you later, man. The Cool Jobs Podcast is brought to you by Crown Jewel Recruitment. Have a cool job or know someone that does? Let us know. Email johnny at cooljobspodcast.com. You got me fiending for